Today's reading is Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave me the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place, and you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous, sing all you have up who are upright in heart. Wonderful song. Now today we are exploring the theme of forgiveness and we've already had a wonderful start from Becky. And uh, this next section is in two parts. A few words from me, just uh, taking us a little bit further in thinking about how God forgives us. And then John Blakey is going to speak a little bit about the challenges of forgiving those who are around us. Forgiveness is a big theme in the Bible. It's implied as early as in the story of Abraham. It features strongly in the story of Joseph and his brothers. It's behind the whole idea of atonement in Leviticus. It's promised repeatedly in the Psalms. It is central to the feature of Isaiah. It forms an important part of the prayer of Daniel. Jeremiah, Micah, and Zechariah also refer to it in their respective prophecies. So right the way through the Old Testament, there is so much about forgiveness. And then in the New Testament, there's so much more. The teaching of Jesus in his parables responding to, and responding to questions in the miracles of Jesus, in his offering of forgiveness to those who came to him. In the words of the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. In the prayer of Jesus from the cross, Father, forgive. And in the teaching in the letters of the New Testament. So here is a theme that runs very strongly through Old and New Testaments. And the heart of this teaching is that God does not treat us as we deserve. We have all failed him. We've done what is wrong in his sight. 
we all deserve to be cast away from the presence of God forever. But that is not what he does. John 3 and verse 16, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not die, but have everlasting life. And the heart of the gospel is a message of grace and of forgiveness. That God does not treat us as we deserve, but he offers us forgiveness and new life. That, of course, doesn't mean he overlooks the wrongs that he, we have done, because that's exactly why Jesus came and why he died. In the words later in the New Testament, in Ephesians 2, verses 1 and 5, thinking about that time when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Or in the words of the well-known Easter hymn, he died that we might be forgiven. He died to make us good. And our reading in Psalm 32 anticipates this so well. The writer of the psalm felt all screwed up because of the wrongs that he had done but then acknowledged his sins before God. And he said of the Lord, you forgave all my sin. You forgave the guilt of my sin. And he went on to describe God as the most amazing hiding place and that the Lord would surround him with songs of deliverance. A wonderful promise. And so the first part of our thinking this morning about forgiveness is to recognize that God is wanting to forgive you and forgive me today. He loves us so dearly. He sent his son to die for us. And his spirit is here to make you aware of what is wrong because that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. And to lead you to the place of truly saying sorry to God as we were helped to do earlier in the service. And now knowing that his wonderful love and his amazing forgiveness is real for you today. God is able to forgive. But then we also have the challenge of forgiving those who are around us. Many of you will remember the wonderful baptism service that we had a few weeks ago. John and Jane were baptized then along with uh, Udai and in John's testimony he felt he shared that he felt that this was just the beginning of opening up what God is calling him to do in the future so I'm delighted that John is able to speak to us this morning and pick up this theme of forgiveness and look especially at how we forgive other people thank you John Good morning, church. Um, thank you, Paul. Thank you for the opportunity to share with you this morning. As Paul mentioned, it's five weeks since you gave Jane, myself, and Adai that very special occasion of our baptism, and we stood here and shared our testimonies. But don't worry, I'm not planning to sing again this morning. At least, I hope not. Instead, I wanted to invite you to ponder further on this topic of forgiveness. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable in others because God has already forgiven the inexcusable in us. 
So once we have accepted God's offer of forgiveness through the grace of Jesus Christ, we turn to the other half of the challenge. How do we forgive the inexcusable in others? I have prayed long and hard on this topic recently due to a challenge that I've faced in leading my business. I faced a dilemma where I felt torn between Christian forgiveness on the one hand and my professional responsibilities as a leader on the other. You may have faced a similar dilemma with a family member or a friend or a colleague or in the church. After all, it's been a time in lockdown when we've all been put under stress and pressure. There's been a lot of anger. There's been a lot of pointing. And I think this is a a really good time to think about how we forgive others. So I prayed about my own challenge, and one Saturday night in lockdown, God started to answer my prayer. I'm sure many of you are big fans of the Netflix series, The Crown, which documents the royal family's history through the ups and downs of the 20th century. It has been one of the highlights of lockdown for Jane, our son Patrick, and myself as we watched each new episode for our weekend treat. Well, that Saturday night, the Crown episode focused on the topic of forgiveness. A young Queen Elizabeth had become enthralled by the late American evangelist Billy Graham whilst he was on a UK tour in 1956. The tour coincides with a family drama as the dethroned and disgraced King Edward VI, the Queen's uncle, was attempting to return to the UK from France to kickstart his career. Like me and my business, the Queen found herself torn, torn between forgiving her uncle on the one hand, the abdicated king, and her loyalties to the country that he had betrayed. Seeking wisdom, she invited Billy Graham to a private meeting at Buckingham Palace, and she asked him, Mr. Graham, are there any circumstances where one can be a good Christian and yet not forgive? In response, the Queen was politely yet clearly advised by Mr. Graham as follows. A Christian must always forgive because no one is beneath forgiveness. Dying on the cross, Jesus himself asked the Lord to forgive those who killed him. At this response, the Queen looked suitably overwhelmed. And as I watched the scene on our TV, I thought, yes, I know exactly what you're thinking. Are you telling me, Mr. Graham, that forgiveness means that you let people do what they want, when they want, and how they want, regardless of the impact on you or those you love? How does that work? So I prayed some more. And I came across a blog reflecting on this episode of The Crown, discussing the nature of forgiveness. The blog contained the following quote, which stopped me in my tracks. Forgiveness does not mean that we let the wolf back into the chicken coop. That would be cruel to both the wolf and the chickens and the farmer who has to clean up the mess. Forgiveness may not always look like we we think it should, with everyone hugging 
and getting what they want. Sometimes forgiveness can also come with some serious heartbreak and firm boundaries, as it did with the queen and her uncle. It then dawned on me that the queen had forgiven her uncle in her broken heart, whilst in her head, as the head of state, she had also enforced a firm boundary not to let the abdicated king re-enter the country. She had exercised personal forgiveness alongside upholding her leadership responsibilities. She didn't let the wolf back into the chicken coop, but she could still love her uncle and forgive him his mistakes and weaknesses. This careful balancing act reminded me of the often quoted phrase of St. Augustine, to hate the sin, but love the sinner. In other words, we can refrain from judgment of the person who is an innocent child of God, but we rebuke behavior that might cause mental or physical harm to themselves, ourselves, or others in our care. In modern cultural terms, we would refer to this tightrope as ensuring effective safeguarding while still showing care and compassion for those who are suffering. But I still didn't feel I had the full picture. So I prayed some more and God gave me another nudge through our Monday night home group. <clears throat> like many Shirley Baptist home groups, our group is currently studying Mark's gospel, using the commentary and questions from the theologian Tom Wright to guide us through the scripture. In chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Reflecting on this passage, Tom Wright comments, Jesus' miracles were not done as acts of supernatural power. They were about the breaking in of God's kingdom through Jesus. From that point, they, that would go out into all the world, the power of a new creation. But it would always have to struggle against the self-resistant forces of evil. This means that those who discover the living God in and through Jesus must also be prepared to face up to the evil structures and powers that still dominate and control so much of God's world and to challenge them in the name of Jesus and with the power of his victory on the cross. What I take from Tom Wright's words is that yes, we are called to love our enemies and to forgive our enemies, but we are also called to protect the flock. We are called to be full of grace, to forgive, and also to be free from fear, to safeguard the vulnerable and needy in our care. Sometimes, like the queen, we must make the courageous choice to say no, while still putting a loving arm around the shoulder of our forgiven brother or sister. Similarly, there might be times when other bra others bravely say no to us, and yet still in that moment, we feel their deep love and their abundant forgiveness. Those of us who are bringing up children or who have brought up children will empathize with how much it can pain us to rebuke and establish healthy boundaries with young children. Yet deep down, we know this style of parenting safeguards the space for both them and the rest of the family flock. It is also preparing our children to grow up respecting that we live together in community as one interconnected human family, not in isolated fiefdoms where each gets to do as they please, irrespective of its impact on others. So there you have it. 
as I prayed over my forgiveness challenge, God used an episode of The Crown, a blog, my home group, and Tom Wright to help me understand that forgiving others does not mean that we let the wolf back into the chicken coop. Sometimes forgiveness can also come with some serious heartbreaks and far firm boundaries, as it did with the queen and her uncle. Sticking with the royal theme, Christian forgiveness is not abdication. No, true forgiveness honors righteousness as well as the crown of his love. True forgiveness takes both compassion and courage in equal measure. So as I bring this message to a close, I'd like to invite you each to think of a person you still need to forgive. I'd like to think of that cross that you wrote on your palm earlier this morning. That person could be a friend, could be a colleague, a family member, a sworn enemy. It could be a person who is still with us or someone who has passed on to the other side. As you picture that person in your mind, I invite you to speak this prayer to them silently. Dear child of God, I forgive you in my heart. You may have hurt me through your behavior, but God has today healed me of that hurt through the power of Jesus Christ. I now extend to you the love of Jesus that I have joyfully received. Just as Jesus has forgiven the sin in me, I now forgive the sin in you. And also, my forgiven friend, I want you to know that this same Jesus Christ, who loves you, has also given me the courage to uphold safe boundaries. The power of the cross has given me the courage to protect the kingdom, the courage to feed the flock, and the courage to face up to evil structures wherever they threaten to undermine the collective well-being of our brothers and sisters. For what am I as a disciple of Christ if I confuse forgiveness with abdication? What am I if I do not remain steadfast under trial to both forgive and to protect? What am I if I do not honor my king's crown of love as well as his crown of righteousness? May you help us all, Father, as we walk this tightrope, and may you send your Holy Spirit to guide us on the path that leads to safety, peace, and forgiveness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.